really happy, you know, we can meet here. Cross-border loophole. They have no problems with Canadians crossing over the 49th parallel. How families are getting around the Peace Arch closure. Canada Day in the time of COVID-19. Probably the strangest Canada Day ever. The celebrations and the protests marking the nation's birthday. No justice, no peace. Can you see us? And a royal call. It was like, am I being punked? William and Kate's virtual visit with Surrey healthcare workers. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. Less than two weeks after the BC government closed Peace Arch Park, Canadians and Americans who want to meet have found a loophole. And as Nadia Stewart reports, it appears there's no appetite on either side of the border so far to do anything about it. Despite the signs on the Canadian side of Peace Arch Park, there is a way to access this area without breaking the law. Border Patrol came by and uh, he was telling us that Canadians are allowed to go in here. And it turns out Border Patrol and police have been letting a few people in on this poorly kept secret. Who told you about this? The RCMP actually. They came over, um, we were parked at Zero Ave, you know, where the ditch is and it was kind of probably dangerous, I don't know. So they said, you know, go ahead and meet here, yeah. On Zero Avenue between 171st Street and Peace Park Drive, Canadians have been crossing over, meeting up with American partners or family members on the other side. That's because Peace Arch State Park is open, even though the Canadian side has been closed since June 18th. The province said an increase in traffic was to blame. I don't believe that that is the reason. The reason I was told was because of smuggling items. U.S. immigration attorney Len Saunders says people continue to meet up here, getting friends to pick up packages at their U.S. mailboxes and hand them off in the park. And because this park is legally accessible, he says there is little the province can do about it. I've talked to officers on both sides. They have no problems with Canadians crossing over the 49th parallel into the Peace Arch Park on the American side. There's nothing illegal. As long as the Canadian citizens don't go further south in the grassed area. There is a police presence here, though we're told it has not been ramped up. And Saunders says the Treaty of Ghent means neither side can build a wall or fence to keep the other out. If either side breaks that treaty, the borders are reverted back to prior to 1814, which means that part of southern Ontario and Quebec reverts back to the United States. So the cross-border meetups will continue, at least for now, unless Washington State Governor Jay Inslee imposes and enforces restrictions in this portion of the park. It's unclear what, if anything, the province can do about it. Nadia Stork, Global News. The BC CDC is warning a possible exposure to COVID-19 on three recent flights to Vancouver. The first is Air Canada Flight 217 from Saskatoon to YVR June 16th. On June 18th, Air Canada Flight 557 from LA to YVR. And most recently, Flair Airlines Flight 8102 from Toronto to YVR on June 21st. Passenger rights advocates are urging people to avoid non-essential travel and say the move by some airlines to drop physical distancing measures on board is a mistake. Airlines should continue the physical distancing on board. It is not worth the risk 
for the entire Canadian economy to see a second wave because the airlines want to make a few bucks. The province stopped contacting passengers on affected domestic flights to advise of exposure back in March. Travelers can monitor COVID-19 related advisories on the BCCDC website. No COVID-19 numbers today for the province, but we will get a two-day total tomorrow. Meantime, the NHL is expected to announce two Canadian cities as the hub cities when the league returns to play. Keith Baldry is live in Victoria with more on why it looks like Edmonton and Toronto will be chosen. Obviously, we already knew it wouldn't be Vancouver, Keith. Yes, TSN is reporting uh, that uh, Edmonton and Toronto are going to be the hub cities. The NHL has not confirmed that. It makes sense if you just purely look at the COVID-19 situations in both uh, Canada and the United States and the cities that are most likely uh, were the candidates to draw the NHL team. So let's, first of all, let's take a look at Toronto and Edmonton in terms of how they're looking for COVID-19. Toronto, a big case number of four, more than 14,000, but that's actually leveled off. It hasn't actually been added to in dramatic numbers in recent days, more than 1,000 deaths. Edmonton relatively modest, just a, th a little more than 1,000 cases and 15 deaths. Now, let's take a look at the three cities in the United States that were in the running and how they're doing dramatically different. Las Vegas is almost parallel with Toronto, but it's a much smaller city, and there's a lot more deaths there. Chicago, 50, more than 52,000 cases, more than 2,600 deaths. And Los Angeles is just spiking big time, almost a quarter of a million cases and almost 6,000 deaths. So the numbers are absolutely jarring and striking when you compare the potential NHL hub cities to the potential Canadian hub cities. That's why it makes sense and why I think it's going to be Toronto and Edmonton uh, going forward. One final note, Sophie, I just got the latest numbers from Washington State. More than 600 cases reported today, seven more deaths, more than 1,300 people have died there in a uh, state that's just one and a half times the population of BC. I keep reminding people they have at least seven times worse the numbers when it comes to COVID-19. It makes perfect sense to send as much of your business to Canada rather than the United States right now. Mm -hmm. All right, thanks for that, Keith. A rally today in Surrey for Canadians stuck in India during the pandemic. The Bring Back Canadians group gathered in Holland Park, handing out T-shirts and signs. Organizers say they wanted to use Canada Day to call on the federal government to do more to help people with permanent resident status return to Canada. There are no flights for permanent residences. The only flight that permanent residences can come on are Air India, and those are the tickets that are being sold in the black market. I think that our Canadian government needs to set up some more repatriation flights, uh, just like we did for our Canadian citizens, and, and bring them home. Global Affairs Canada says more than 92 repatriation flights have come from India, bringing more than 15,000 people home. Well, it wasn't the traditional sea of red and white this Canada Day. Many of the celebratory hotspots, usually packed with thousands of revelers, were eerily quiet and subdued. As Grace Key reports, with people urged to celebrate safely and indoors, many cities have come up with creative virtual alternatives. If the parade can't go to you, why not become the parade? A Taste of the Peony was touted as the country's only Canada Day parade. This is amazing. This I is love amazing. it. It's so cool. We don't get a chance to do this every day. Yeah. <laughs> and it's great to celebrate Canada even when things are a little different. Families got to drive through the Pacific Coliseum to enjoy a reverse parade. The live entertainment was complete with Canadian-themed performers and a logger sports show. We normally do about 100 days of performances every year. 
this is our only day this year. Everything's been canceled. So just the fact that we get to come out and do something is pretty awesome for us. Celebrations across the country have been canceled because of the pandemic. But that didn't stop people from visiting Canada Place, traditionally Vancouver's premier event for the past 30 years. Because I'm an immigrant, I came six years ago to the Canada. Always I celebrate this day. To avoid the crowds and maintain social distancing, virtual celebrations were held across the country. We're really excited to bring you guys a virtual Surrey Canada Day celebration. In Surrey, this Canadian year, Olympian Haley Wickenheiser hosted the celebration. Besides the live entertainment, the day is usually filled with family activities and demonstrations. Municipalities replace that with plenty of online tutorials. Adding the different colors just And what's Canada Day without fireworks? Some virtual celebrations will be wrapping up the evening, lighting up the sky, or at least your screens with a pyrotechnic show. Grace Key, Global News. And in the Okanagan, a number of popular events were cancelled, including the huge Canada Day celebrations in Kelowna. Officials instead encouraged the public to find their own ways to celebrate. And while there were not thousands of people out in force, a few residents still gathered downtown to celebrate. Today we're actually heading down to get some scooters to scoot around, maybe drink a few beers with the boys. Happy Canada Day. It's already great. Now, while many are celebrating the country's birthday, others are challenging Canada's history and the injustices experienced in their communities. Catherine Urquhart joins us with more. And Catherine, canceled Canada Day marches have been taking place nationwide, including in Vancouver. That's right, Sophie. Cancel Canada Day protests happening across the country, including here in Vancouver, as well as in Saskatoon, Hamilton, and in Halifax. The one here in Vancouver was taking place behind me at the Vancouver Art Gallery. Participants are now marching throughout the downtown core. Several hundred people gathered for the event, organized by a group called Idle No More. The group says it, quote, will not celebrate the ongoing genocide within Canada against Indigenous people. Which are systems of oppression and genocide and erasure. What do we need to do, not just to dismantle that, but to put in place side by side to that? What are we going to move to? What are our systems of commerce, justice, sovereignty, land management? How are we going to keep ourselves safe? And that means addressing internally what's going on within our own communities. Now, there has been a police presence here tonight, but officers, for the most part, stationed across the street just keeping an eye on things. The protest has been peaceful, with most people wearing masks. Sophie, back to you. Catherine Urquhart in downtown Vancouver. Catherine, thank you. Victoria police are looking for a man who is accused of randomly attacking a young black man on a BC Transit bus. Police are investigating the assault as a potential hate crime. Police say it happened just after four in the afternoon of June 19th. They say video shows the man punching the victim without warning. The suspect is described as Caucasian, 40 to 50 years old with a medium to heavy build and blonde hair. Other passengers intervened after the attack and the suspect was pushed off the bus. Luckily, the victim wasn't seriously injured. Anyone with any information on who this is can call Victoria Police or Crime Stoppers. 
Clashes in Hong Kong as a sweeping new security law comes into effect. Hundreds of people have been arrested under the contentious new law on what also happens to be the 23rd anniversary of the handover of Hong Kong to China from Britain. How the law has sparked protests here and why the stakes are high for many families in Vancouver in just over a minute. An SUV crashes into a downtown Vancouver grocery store. What kept this incident from being worse? Coming up on the news hour. And clearing out Capitol Hill, why Seattle police finally moved in to break up a two week occupation later. Right now, though, no sooner did China enact its controversial so called security law in Hong Kong, police have already made hundreds of arrests under the new legislation. With demonstrators taking to the streets of Vancouver to protest China's actions, a local immigration lawyer is predicting a new exodus from Hong Kong to countries like Canada. Ramina Dea reports. China's iron fist came smashing down on the streets of Hong Kong Wednesday. Thousands of protesters fighting back against Beijing's new national security law, which came into effect July 1st. Anybody doing uh, pro-independence work of separating Hong Kong from China or colliding with foreign forces uh, to uh, subvert the Chinese government would be uh, a crime. The first arrest under the new law, a man holding a Hong Kong independence flag, according to a police Twitter post. More than 300 plus people and counting have been arrested. They are the law, but this is not rule of law. This is not even rule by law. This is rule by decree. The law, a cruel gift to Hong Kong on the 23rd anniversary of the British handover of the territory to China. The people of Hong Kong who cherish their Western-style freedoms being told by their government the sweeping measures are not focused on penalizing. It is also to deter, to deter people from committing such serious offenses as cessation, subverting the state power, terrorist activities. The Canadian government warning travelers to Hong Kong they face increased risk of arbitrary detention and possible extradition to mainland China. A Vancouver immigration lawyer says Canada must prepare for an exodus. Roughly 300,000 Canadians live in Hong Kong. My office, colleagues' office are now uh, being swamped with calls. How do we carefully get out of Hong Kong? Our family, our wallets. Dozens of pro-democracy supporters in Vancouver marched to the Chinese consulate in solidarity with Hong Kongers. What we are doing right now is to do something that Hong Kong people cannot do right now, a peaceful demonstration. Some two dozen Western countries are urging China to reconsider. The penalties for waving a flag, chanting a slogan, anything advocating separation from the communist superpower could lead to life in prison. Romina Dea, Global News. When COVID came to BC, closing the Hotel Vancouver was no simple task. This hotel wasn't designed to close, so we didn't even have proper locks on the doors to shut. Up next, how they plan to reopen with pandemic precautions. Plus... How do you manage yourselves? Are you all okay? Zooming with royalty, a special call for Surrey Memorial Healthcare workers. 
High above the third spun-out vehicle I've seen this afternoon. This one is southbound on the 91A, just before the east-west connector and the Alex Fraser Bridge, with police on scene in the left lane. Kermat Collision and Autoglass have been family-run and locally owned since 1973. For unmatched quality repairs and exceptional service, choose Kermac. For location information, visit Kermac.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above the 91A. A dramatic crash in downtown Vancouver early this morning. Police responded at about 3.30 a.m. when an SUV with an Alberta license plate slammed into the Fresh Street Market at Howe and Pacific. The front and driver's side of the vehicle were badly damaged and the storefront will have to be assessed for structural damage. Emergency crews on scene had a big mess to deal with, but they say it's fortunate there were no serious injuries. We were worried about the fuel uh, leaking into the storm sewer and then running off into the ocean. Uh, but we've uh, mitigated that uh, item. Uh, environmental has been contacted. It could have been much worse if there were people on the street. Uh, due to the early hours, there was no one on the street. So no pedestrians were involved, just the occupants of the vehicle. Police say the driver and two passengers were taken into custody. There's no word yet on charges. A royal visit for some BC healthcare staff working on the front lines during the COVID-19 pandemic. Just wanted to just touch base and say um, how proud we are of all of you, everyone on the front line who have led the way very stoically, very bravely, and um, have put patient care you know right at the top of the list uh, and have done a fantastic job. So well done to all of you. And I hope the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge marking Canada Day with a special video call with staff at Surrey Memorial Hospital. During the virtual visit, the royal couple asked about the biggest challenges the Fraser Health team has faced on the COVID wards. Staff say they have struggled with the impact restricted visitation has had on the mental health of patients and their loved ones. Social worker Sunny Dulai, who was on that call, says she was grateful they addressed the importance of mental health. They just seem to be very, um, I guess, they seem to be very concerned or aware that mental wellness is a huge deal in this pandemic and um, people aren't coping or are coping and how they're coping. Um, and so that was really, like, that was really good. After thanking the team for their efforts protecting patients, families, and the community, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge ended the call with a hint they could be planning a visit to BC once the pandemic is over. Well, the hospitality business has been particularly hard hit by the pandemic. No tourists, few travelers, and a fear of shared space saw an unprecedented shutdown of hotels. Now the grand dam of our city, the Fairmont Hotel Vancouver, is set to open its doors, but with many changes. In our latest installment of Believe BC, our Jordan Armstrong looks at how hotels are managing to reopen during COVID-19. Hotel Vancouver stayed open during wars, renovations, but not the peak of the pandemic. COVID-19 marked the first time the iconic Fairmont property closed its doors in 81 years. This hotel wasn't designed to close, so we didn't even have proper locks on the doors to shut. Welcome to the hotel. Friday, it reopens after three and a half months, and there are some changes. The hotel has gone from four entrances to one. Check-in starts with a temperature check. The whole process needs to change from the arrival, the stay, the departure. 
interactions within the hotel. So that means no more breakfast buffet in the restaurant. Tables are spaced out and new walls have gone up to enable physical distancing. Elevators are limited to two guests at a time. In the room, the TV can now be controlled by an app on your phone. No more touching the remote. Items like menus and decorative pillows are gone. If you order room service, it will be brought to your door, but not inside. And once you leave... Then we won't use that room for 48 hours. So that room will sit empty, um, and then it's cleaned and it's sterilized, ready for the next guest. Which means Hotel Vancouver will operate at roughly half capacity for the foreseeable future. Many urban hotels are offering deals to locals as they brace for a summer without international visitors. We're really hoping that British Columbians will travel, and we hope that our domestic borders open soon. Now, there aren't many public pools open, but Hotel Vancouver guests can swim and use the gym. It's been a rough few months for the staff. Ella and Ellie are eager to get back to work just in time for the dog days of summer. They're looking forward to it, so they'll be back here in the lobby, uh, happy to greet all of our guests and, and interact as best they can. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Just ahead, a record-setting day for several U.S. states. We're not at the worst-case scenario yet, but we will be. The hot spots to the south of us and how some COVID closures are being reinstated. Plus... Yo, this is crazy. How a high-speed chase took a very wrong turn. It's a busy Canada Day over here at Tawasson Ferry Terminal. The 7 p.m. to Swartz Bay is three-quarters full. Uh, 710 to Southern Gulf Islands is 100% full. That's it for vehicle sailings uh, tonight. And the 815 to Duke Point is at three-quarters capacity. For 47 years, Kermak Collision and Autoglass has provided unmatched superior customer service and satisfaction. With 18 lower mainland locations, there's a Kermak in your neighborhood. Visit Kermak.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above the Tawasson Ferry Terminal. Seattle's self-proclaimed autonomous zone is no more after police moved in to clear it out this morning. There were some minor clashes, but all in all, police were met with little resistance. For more than three weeks, people protesting police brutality had occupied the area, mostly peacefully, but violent incidents, including four shootings that killed two teenagers, finally forced Seattle's mayor to declare it an unlawful assembly and send in the police to clear it out. Eight U.S. states have seen COVID-19 numbers spike, setting new records, including Arizona, where there have been a staggering number of cases in the last 24 hours. California is also cracking down further, but not every state is buying into the warnings from health experts. Emerging as one of the nation's most dangerous hotspots, tonight Arizona recording another staggering record, nearly 4,900 new COVID cases in 24 hours. With hospitalizations hitting another historic high, perhaps most alarming, the positivity rate. Nearly 30% of those just tested have the virus. Today, in the middle of Arizona's crisis, the vice president arrived in Phoenix wearing a mask. And I couldn't be more proud of uh, our nation's response to the coronavirus pandemic. Retail, restaurants, and malls are still open in Arizona, but the governor did order the closure of bars, nightclubs, and gyms, though some fitness centers are defying the new restrictions. 
I think it's kind of inevitable that things are going to get worse. As the number of infections and fatalities also soars in California, today Governor Newsom reinstated restrictions. Among them, restaurants in 19 counties must close their dining rooms and return to curbside pickup. California, one of the first states to lock down, among at least 18 others, now clamping down again. Every day I come to work hoping that I can help someone get better, but unfortunately that's not always the case. It's emotional and it takes a toll. Facing a summer spike of new infections, 14 states recorded new COVID highs in cases this week. More than half the country is seeing a significant increase, including Texas, where the lieutenant governor is now dismissing Dr. Fauci. He has been wrong every time on every issue. I don't need his advice anymore. Here in California, the governor's new restrictions are aimed at reducing crowd sizes in tight spaces before the holidays. He says it'll save lives. Lester. Miguel Almaguer reporting. A $19 million settlement has been reached with Harvey Weinstein's survivors. The deal is part of a class action lawsuit alleging the former movie mogul's sexual misconduct and workplace harassment. The survivors will now be released from any non-disclosure or non-disparagement agreements. Weinstein was sentenced to 23 years in prison for rape back in March. A man is in custody following a high-speed chase in California that ended with the driver crashing his car over a cliff. Yo, that's a car right there. Police responded to a carjacking and shots fired call yesterday just north of Santa Cruz. The pursuit reached speeds of more than 160 kilometers an hour and ended when the suspect drove the car into the ocean. Witnesses say the man then climbed out of the driver's window and made his way up the rocks where he was taken into custody. In Health Matters tonight, the U.S. has bought up almost the entire global supply of one of two drugs used to treat COVID-19. Remdesivir is patented by the California-based company Gilead. It is the first drug approved by licensing authorities in the United States to treat the virus. The first 140,000 doses were supplied to drug trials around the world. The Trump administration has now bought more than 500,000 doses, which is all of the company's production for July and 90% of August and September. Coming up, from rock anthems to radio jingles. Call 222-2222. The studio musicians hitting just the right note. Plus... One instrument at a time, the painstaking process of piecing together O Canada in a pandemic. Give a shout out, tag posts with hashtag BC Healthcare Heroes or email BC Healthcare Heroes at globalnews.ca to share with Global News. BC Healthcare Heroes in partnership with Fortis BC, caring for the BC communities where we live and work. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. COVID-19 is making it difficult for musicians used to getting together to practice or perform in front of an audience. But the Surrey City Orchestra has turned to technology in order to make music and show their love for Canada. Theatres that are usually filled with music have been quiet since COVID arrived. It's been a hard year for performers, including those in the Surrey City Orchestra used to being with each other. 
COVID has kind of like devastated the performing arts community. And so a lot of us are missing playing with each other. To get together and mark Canada Day, the orchestra turned to technology. Each of the over 20 members recorded their portion of O Canada separately. It, it, is, it is challenging because when you play live, or when you're rehearsing live, you're adjusting and reacting to other people's playing. It, it was a weird feeling, but then actually very rewarding to see the final product. Mendoza made his recording at the historic Stewart Farmhouse, a popular park for his family. And that day I was probably the only person wearing a you know, form shirt and, and long tie and carrying a professional uh, music stand. Other musicians recorded their tracks at a Surrey hotel ballroom. Just really exciting to, you know, um, just take the horn out of the house sort of thing. All of those separate video tracks were then put together by Ellen's son, Sam. I think with COVID, we're going to have to try and find those creative opportunities to work together. Meanwhile, during COVID isolation, some people are finding ways to make beautiful music together. You know, it's it's an odd time. In fact, there's there's two pregnancies in our orchestra since the pandemic. <laughs> people who love music, people who love Canada. Ted Field, Global News. Intense storms in Brazil and the surprise one couple caught when they started filming the crazy weather. That's right after Christie's forecast. And just before we get to Christie, more on the flood risk in our province. The public is being asked to be vigilant around the Fraser River despite the waters beginning to recede. Some low-lying areas are still flooded. A high stream flow advisory remains in effect as the water levels in the lower Fraser River are expected to rise once again either this weekend or next week due to heavy rain in the interior today. Today my wife and I decided on Canada Day uh, to come out here and just see how high the river is. And of course, behind me, it's only about uh, a foot and a half below where I'm standing. So come Monday, this is probably going to be underwater if the forecast is correct. Flood warnings are in effect for three regions of the province, including the Upper Fraser River and the Quinell River. And meteorologist Christy Gordon, of course, is keeping a close eye on the situation as well uh, as our forecast. Christy? Thanks so much, Sophie. So yeah, we had heat last week and now we've got the heavy rain. Let's look at the radar and satellite image. You can see widespread rain across the province. Now the northeastern corner of the province could see, including today and tomorrow, up to 100 millimeters of rain. But there's other parts of the region, the Chilcotin, the Caribou, that could see anywhere from 40 to 70 millimeters in that two-day period. Here's a look at the warnings that are in place from the BC River Forecast Center. So the region that you see in red, are you seeing the warnings? Um, the region you're seeing in red is the upper Fraser River as well as the Quinell River. Those are the key areas that we're watching, but there's lots of yellows and oranges, other regions that still are going to see significant uh, change over the next little while. But for the lower Fraser River, it takes a long time for that moisture to make its way down to the lower Fraser River. It takes a good three to five days, but certainly that rainfall will have an impact. So here's, if you can tell me where you are in the graphics, here's a look at what we can expect. The rainfall today shifting north, so central interior, northern BC regions will continue to see 
see rainfall tomorrow, whereas southern BC will begin to see an improvement. However, for the south coast, it's been a tough go. Yes, starting off July with rain, we do still have cloud and a few showers in the forecast, but we will see some breaks of blue sky. However, into our Friday, you're going to see that moisture wrap back down around, so more moisture expected on Friday. So continuing on with this unsettled pattern. In the meantime, here's your Thursday forecast, everyone. So lots of rain across northern BC. In through the south, a clearing trend with a mix of sun and cloud. As for the south coast, we still do have a chance of showers for Metro Vancouver. Uh, we will see or hopefully we'll see some breaks of blue sky later in the day, but that slight chance of showers continues. Uh, and then we are headed towards sunshine, and that still looks to be the plan for the weekend, everyone. And here's your central windows weather window. Uh, great little shot of two guys celebrating Canada Day. It looks like they should be in a parade or something. So thank you so much for sharing that shot with us. Okay, so back to Very you. Very cool. Thank you, Christy. Now back to that storm in Brazil where heavy winds and rain toppled trees and destroyed buildings. Watch as the wind blows the roof straight off one home, sending huge pieces of debris flying. At least 10 people have been killed so far in these storms and more are expected in the south and southeast of the country. All right, Squire Barnes is yes. with us now. What do you have coming up for us? Well, um, with all the talk recently about the surge of cases in the United States, there's been a lot of hockey fans that have wondered why even consider an American city as one of the hubs for the NHL? Well, it looks like the NHL is no longer considering, considering American cities. Toronto and Edmonton are now the front runners. All right, we'll talk about that also tonight. The, the hired guns who can make a song really sing. have a red tie I you know what red ties and me don't really work very well together but I thought since it's Canada Day I'll look for you one in my vast array of ties and I couldn't find one so the, the purple is nice though and you don't have to wear red okay just believe me you do look nice. my heart is red that's true my blood is Canadian red but okay. my tie is purple um, in their build-up to the uh, MLS tournament down in Orlando the Whitecaps have been regularly tested for COVID-19 Recently, two of their people had inconclusive tests, which meant the Whitecaps could not fly to Florida today. Now, those two people, they won't say if they are players or not, did subsequently test negative. But just the same, everyone on the Caps will be tested again before they can get on a flight. And now, probably the earliest they'll fly out to Orlando is Friday. The Whitecaps will play in a group down at Disney World with Seattle, San Jose, and FC Dallas. Today, FC Dallas announced that six of its players have tested positive. They are in Florida now. Those players have been separated from the group. They've been quarantined at the hotel. So far, six teams have arrived in Orlando, and since they don't mingle with each other, these players on Dallas that are infected won't infect the players from other teams. Well, this story, of course, is perfect for Canada Day because the ever-changing NHL hub city race now has Edmonton and Toronto as the leaders 
to get all the games. This means Las Vegas, which was destined to be one of the hub cities, has fallen out of favor because of the surge of coronavirus cases in Nevada, which have tripled since late May. Now, this is not official yet. If something should happen to Edmonton or Toronto, Chicago is apparently waiting in the wings to be a hub. But it would be hard to pick any American city over a Canadian one right now, even though Toronto hasn't done its best at flattening the curve when you compare it to Edmonton and Vancouver. I'm guessing if Toronto is one of the hub cities, that might be the one that gets the host the Stanley Cup final. Edmonton has been interested in being a hub city right from the start. The feeling is their rink would have the best ice out of any NHL arena when playing in the height of summer because in the winter they have the best ice in the NHL. But before anything can happen, with the NHL restart, the players and owners still must agree on a whole bunch of issues. But they talked all last night. The word is things are going well in these talks. If everything continues to go well, we could see an agreement between the two by the weekend. But until both sides sign off on everything, there won't be a restart. But as we said, the rumors say things are going well. They're getting through all the issues smoothly. And one of the agreements they may come to is that the NHL players will go back to playing in the Winter Olympics after missing the last Winter Olympics. Premiership Everton and Leicester. Good start for Everton. Ten minutes in, Richarlison scores. Oh, that was very nice. And then, on the penalty kick, Sigurdsson. 2-0, 16 minutes in for Everton. Strange goal here for Leicester to get back in the game. Iniacho. Scores, but how did he score? Well, it was actually rather inadvertent. The ball was being cleared, but it went right off his face and into the net. And Leicester nearly tied the game when Michael Keane almost scored on his own goal, but he cleans up his mess. And I do mean just barely. 2-1 final for Everton over Leicester City. Well, in our country, of course, July 1st is Canada Day. In the world of baseball, July 1st is Bobby Bonilla Day. That's the day when the New York Mets have to pay Bonilla $1.1 million, even though he hasn't played baseball since 2001. The reason is this. When the Mets wanted to buy out the final $5.9 million of his contract back in 2000, he agreed to defer payments until 2011, but at 8% interest. So when the payments started nine years ago, the $5.9 million had grown to around $29 million. So Bonilla will be paid $1.19 million every July 1st until 2035 when he is 72 years old. Now that's a good pension plan. That's Bobby Bonilla right there. And one of the reasons they wanted to defer the payments is because the owner of the Mets, Fred Wilpon, wanted to invest with Bernie Madoff. <laughs> well, that's a true story. Okay.
Something to think about. Thanks very much, Squire. Let's check in with Andrew and now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. And thanks, Sophie. We will have more tonight on the Royals' conversation with some of BC's frontline healthcare workers. Plus, the Okanagan is finally getting ride hailing. A company called Lucky to Go has set up in Kelowna, beating larger companies such as Uber and Lyft to the punch. It also plans to expand elsewhere in the province. We'll let you know where and when when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Sophie. All right, thanks, Anne. Tonight's healthcare hero is up next. Plus, you might not know their faces, but you for sure know their music. Stay with us. Time to recognize another one of our hardworking BC healthcare heroes. And tonight's nomination is from Wendy Jimmy. Wendy wanted to recognize her daughter, Melissa. Since Melissa earned her training and certification from Native Education College in 2013, she's worked as a care aide. And while normally she works for Nurse Next Door, when the outbreak happened at Holy Family Hospital, she was asked to assist there and she didn't hesitate. Wendy says her daughter loves her job and the people she works with. Melissa says every one of her co-workers is important in the roles they perform. She is eternally grateful for her supportive manager, nurses, and many other co-workers. When she's not working, Melissa helps others in the community and also goes above and beyond as an auntie, friend, sister, girlfriend, and daughter. Melissa, your mom is clearly very proud of you, and we thank you for your dedication to BC. If you have a healthcare hero you'd like to see featured, send your nomination to BC Healthcare Heroes at globalnews.ca. Include some information about what makes them your hero and a few pictures. You can include face filters as well if you want, and they might be featured next on the News Hour. Thank you for your hard work, Melissa. All right, Squire. Session musicians. Well, yes, um, they are very important and they appear on a lot of records. You may not know their names all the time. But the people in the music industry know who they are, and two of the best live and work in this city. Mark LaFrance's life in music has been as a frontman, as a drummer, and as a background singer. It might be close to a thousand songs that I've worked on over the years, so sometimes I hear stuff and I go, that sounds familiar but you know and then realize I'd sign on it. He arrived in Vancouver in 1980 and quickly fell into the scene at Little Mountain Sound Recording Studios where commercial jingles provided a lot of work for local musicians. Oh there are some bad ones though. <laughs> I remember call two 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 the champagne of ginger ale. The pictures in Mark's home office chronicle his career so far but the one that gets your attention the most is this one from 1989, singing on a Motley Crue song alongside the likes of Brian Adams and Steven Tyler. It's a testament to how Mark knows the secrets of singing background. When you go in and, you know, when you're working with a producer, you're not trying to, to take it, steal the limelight from the singers. You're trying to enhance what they do. So you try to, whenever you go in, you try and change your voice for whatever the... the the situation is, you know, you know, and try to be a bit of a, like a bit of a chameleon. John Webster is another local musician who's added his talent to countless songs over the years. Yeah, no, I, I'm the color man. You know, it's like, the, the, you know, uh, I, I sort of listen to a song. I go, okay, well, this is this is complete. What what's left? Webster was the keyboardist for Red Rider, collaborating with Tom Cochran. But when he's helping others in the studio, 
The key, as he just said, is to add color. If he's going, that's the last thing you should do, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> maybe something about. Just arrangement stuff, but a lot, you know, it's, it, seem, it seems so simple, but it's surprisingly difficult sometimes. But if you're good at it, you become a part of music history. It's pretty amazing to, you know, if you listen to rock radio, you know, especially now you have so many classic rock and satellite radio, you know, not a day doesn't go by where there's something that I worked on that, that will come on and then you go, oh, you know, God, I remember that. And the hairstyles, Squire, the hairstyles. <laughs> so. We've all had those hairstyle moments. Christy's got her flag ready. Final word on the weather. That's right. It was a tough Canada day for a lot of people. We'll warm up, though, as we head towards the weekend. Still some showers in the forecast for tomorrow, but certainly not the soaker that we saw today. Back to you. In addition to the 7 o'clock healthcare hero cheer, you're asked to sing O Canada at 7 o'clock, so we will leave you with the Surrey City Orchestra and our national anthem. Good night, all.